Hey yo, what up? It's the Rob C Sportscast. Oh what? RC Productions. Y'all ready? Hey, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's the Rob C Sportscast. Crazy Knicks fan named Alex. All sports all the time, yeah, that's it. You want gridiron talk, you want college. NBA combat sports, your boy got it. Want that real rap raw, you feel flame. Want that sports talk, the Alex get it in. VA to NYC, we rock steady. New rocks and sports cash drops, so y'all better. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Sports cash. Y'all about me now. What's going on, Radio Free Radford World? And the podcasting world in general. Because your boy, for about the 15th millionth time at this point, is back. It's your man Alex Robson. Welcome back to the Robson Sportscast. Man, it has been again a hot minute. We had to jump back all the way to April to the last time I did an episode of the Robson Sportscast. And even further from when I did an episode live here on Radio Free Radford. Man, a lot has changed It's a completely different world, it feels like now. Because it kind of is. I'm a little bit older. I'm 21. A couple semesters in here to Radford University now, so I'm enjoying it. I'm vibing. Having a great time. And I am beyond excited to be back here providing episodes of the Robson Sportscast to the Radio Free Radford Airwaves. I'm ready to jump right back into it. Last time you heard my voice here on the airwaves of Radio Free Radford, it was a busy time in my life. A lot happened. Had to step away for a bit. But I'm back. I got my life under control a little bit. And I'm back providing you that weekly dose of Sports Chat. We'll be coming at you on airwaves every single Friday. Set time to be determined. But we'll figure that all out. A lot's going on with everything here at Radio Free Radford. But I'm excited to be back in, and we're just going to jump right into it. I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about my journey, talking about where the heck I've been, but I'm just going to start talking about sports because that's what we're all here for in a way. That's what this show provides, and that is some great sports chat. And man, there is something pretty big I need to talk about. Something pretty big because I know it's going to be asked about. I know, as my reputation is, of being a New York Jets fan, it's going to happen. I know for a fact the question is going to be asked plenty of times. Some news broke out a couple days ago. As everybody knows, the NFL season's back. We did just wrap up the first Thursday night football game of the year. The Buffalo Bills taking down the Los Angeles Rams, the defending champs 31-10. to Josh Allen, a solid day, looking everything like we thought he would be, he is one of the front runners for MVP. The Buffalo Bills are the opening odds favorites to be the Super Bowl champions at the end of the year. Now, I am a fan of one of their division rivals, the New York Jets. It is a depressing life, in case you couldn't have made that one out. It, it's tough being a New York Jets fan. But there has been some renowned hope. A lot of teams see it. A lot of executives see it. A lot of experts see it. But the New York Jets are doing a solid job with what they've had to start with way back when Joe Douglas, the current Jets general manager, took over. He's got some solid players in, has had a couple of sensational drafts, 
drafting guys like Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Jermaine Johnson, a steal at pick 26, a guy that should have been a top 10 pick. Getting a guy like Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State in the second round. Let's not forget G-Dub, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. They have loaded up this team, specifically for one person and one person alone. You know him. I know him. His name's Zach Wilson. How you know him may be a controversial topic there. Because I know him as the former second overall pick at a, at a BYU. A prospect I really, really liked coming out of the draft of 2021. Had him as my QB2 of that draft process. Just ahead of Justin Fields. Just behind, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Now, of course, um, we all know the story about how... Well, if you don't know the story, are you living under a rock, first off? But there's this little story here about how his former BFF and teammate at BYU is dating his ex. And then the ex made a statement saying that, hey, Zach Wilson slept with one of his mom's best friends. I hope I can say that. Is that radio friendly? I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure I'll get told if if not. But, um, wow. Wow to say the least about that whole situation. But um, that's old news. We're talking about new news. And the new news is Zach Wilson in the first preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles, if I remember correctly. Philadelphia Eagles, he struggled mightily coming in. First drive he comes in, throws a bad-looking interception. And then he has a non-contact knee injury. And, of course, all Jet fans, knowing how our luck likes to run... We immediately assume the worst. We immediately assume that Zach Wilson blew out his ACL, because that's surely what it looked like. But sure enough, MRIs come back, all the things come back and get checked out. Turns out it's just a bone bruise. Just a little bone bruise, maybe a little bit of a meniscus tear. But it's nothing that's going to keep him out for a long time. The return timetable was two to four weeks from what we heard from head coach Robert Sala. Then stuff kind of have developed recently. They have announced that Joe Flacco is the week one starting quarterback. And I think a lot of people kind of expected that. Because you want to give Zach Wilson a time to fully recover and get a 100%. You don't want to be throwing him out into the fire right off the bat. But then here's the issue. Robert Sala then stated that with how Zach Wilson's recovering now, the earliest we could see him is week four against Pittsburgh. I beg your pardon, good sir? Because that two to four week time period just turned into a damn month? Are you... What? How, how did that happen? How did that change so quickly? And that's something I've had a little bit of a problem with with Robert Sala and the staff for the New York Jets is that they like to sugarcoat a lot of the stuff. They do that a lot. You listen to them, they talk about injuries and issues like that. And they always want to talk about the good side of it. They want to make it sound better than it actually is. Just tell us Zach Wilson's not recovering well, and you'll be fine. But no, Robert Sala says, Zach Wilson's doing fine. Doesn't raise any issues. But yeah, your second-year quarterback that has a hell of a lot to prove, missing almost a whole month of time, is not good. It's not that I have a, don't have a problem with Joe Flacco playing a game or two. That's not the issue. I want Zach Wilson to be 100% healthy when it comes back. Hell, I want him back at 
But that's not the problem we're dealing with here. Because if you didn't know, Zach Wilson had a bit of a rough rookie season. Final stats from his rookie year. 13 games, 55.6 completion percentage, 2,334 yards with 9 touchdowns and 11 picks. Uh, Yeah, that is not good. A QBR rating of 69.7, which is an ironic number, but we're not going to talk about that. That is not good. Now, I will say this, though. There were two halves to Zach Wilson's rookie season. You had the half when he first started. That was ugly. He had that four-interception game against the New England Patriots. It, It wasn't pretty at all. But then he comes back from injury, and he actually looks pretty damn good. Take care of the ball better, makes better reads. You're like, okay, there's hope going into the new season. You get him more weapons, everything stays the same in terms of the staffing, and okay. But here's the issue with Zach Wilson. The issue with Zach, it's New York. They don't have the patience for this BS. We can't sit here and wait for Zach Wilson to just all of a sudden get it. You would have to jump all the way back to when a quarterback played a full season for the New York Jets. You have to jump all the way back to when Geno Smith was a rookie. Yes, the same Geno Smith that is now the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. When he was a rookie, he was the last quarterback for the Jets to play a full season without any injury. Ryan Fitzpatrick dealt with injury his two years when he was with the Jets. Sam Darnold was a walking injury. And then Zach Wilson gets hurt his rookie year. It's been a terrible run for that. Much like it has been the past decade for just New York Jet football. And that does not help Zach Wilson's situation. Because I am telling you right now, the upcoming draft class in 2022... I guess technically the 2023 NFL draft. It is the worst possible draft for Zach Wilson to not play well this season. And 14, 13 games, he has to come out and produce right away. If Zach Wilson played 16 games, 15 games even, okay. You can deal with a little bit of a slow start and pick it up. But now Zach Wilson's coming in to a point where teams are starting to find their stride. It's not a good situation for Zach. Because how this roster is built, with the right quarterback in place, it can be electric. The quarterbacks in this draft, Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama, just won the Heisman. CJ Shroud, electrifying arm talent. Will Levis, I'm not personally a big fan of Will Levis, but I can see what people like at him. He's a great field general. Tyler Van Dyke, the guy out of Miami. I haven't seen enough of him to really get a grade on him, but I see a little bit of potential from what I have seen. There's this guy that plays at Florida, and I'm also a Florida Gators fan, so call me biased if you want to, but every single time this man has the football in his hands, good things happen. Anthony Richardson is insane. This man is built like Cam Newton and runs 4-4 speed. And you're telling me Zach Wilson now has to jump into a situation where the Jets could be 0-4, like 0-3, 1-2, and 
teams are starting to figure things out in terms of their defense's schematics. And then now he just has to be plopped right in and produced right away. That's not good for him. And it scares the living hell out of me. It scares the living hell out of me because I know that if Zach Wilson struggles again this year, how often do general managers and coaches get a second chance at quarterback? How often? Almost never. So if Zach Wilson struggles again this year, you can almost bet your bottom dollar that people are going to be start getting fired. Which is not what I want. It's not what a lot of Jets fans want. Because despite what the record says about Joe Douglas, he's done a very good job of building out what was a horrible roster and putting a lot of young talent into it. The guys I mentioned, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall. Last year, Elijah Vera Tucker. In the first round, you traded up to get him. He signed good guys off the wire. He picked up Braxton Berrios, a guy that's turned into actually a pretty good utility guy for the Jets. He signed Corey Davis, who had a down year last year, but he was injured a lot. But he's still a good weapon for Zach Wilson to have. He signed two tight ends this year in Tyler Conklin, CJ Ozama. Drafted one I like a lot in Jeremy Ruckert. He's done a lot of good. Now, there's been some bad with that. Denzel Mims has been a bust in the NFL. Makai Becton is just a walking injury at this point. He's too damn big for those knees, and he needs to be traded. As immediately when he gets healthy. I think he's stuck by Sam Darnold a year longer than he should have. He's stuck with Adam Gase a year longer than he should have. But the good, in my opinion, outweighs the bad. And I know the record that he has as general manager is not good with the New York Jets. But that doesn't tell the story. He came into an absolute bonfire. And he's controlled it and tamed it a little bit. But the Jets fire him. Robert Sala's probably going to get the boot too. A guy that I like. He's a great leader of men. The team is behind him. But it's not good when the... when Because quarterback is... That's the end-all be-all. When you draft a quarterback, that is you saying... My job lies in your hands. And that's what that's what they did with Zach Wilson. The job is now in Zach Wilson's hands. And I, I know it sounds incredibly negative of me to be talking and saying, oh, Zach Wilson, I, like I'm this guy that loves Zach Wilson, but all of a sudden I've turned, turned on him and I'm like, oh no, I'd hate Zach Wilson. I think he's a bust. No, that's not at all. I like Zach Wilson. I think he's got a great chance to be great in this league. But the early signs are not that good. Injuries in both of his first two years in the NFL. Struggled in his rookie year. And now he's going to have to come into the NFL season this year. On a bad knee. Going up against more than likely the Steelers. Which is one of the better defensive teams in the game today. When they're starting to hit full stride. Because really, you had that first like two weeks where teams are like, eh, you see a lot of upsets. You see some teams still trying to figure it out. Like, I don't think the Rams are as bad as they played tonight. Well, I'm recording this night, like, yesterday, technically, for people listening to this. I record these the night of, the night 
before it goes on the air. You, you get what I do. <laughs> I don't think the Rams are as bad as the Bills made them to look. And there's a possibility the Bills aren't as good as they looked against the Rams. Now, I think Buffalo is very good. And I think they should easily be the current favorite to win the AFC. But it's just not a good situation for Zach to come into. And it scares me because I really think that Joe Douglas has done everything he can to build a roster that for when Zach Wilson does come back, he has all the tools around him as long as injuries aren't an issue. Which for the Jets, they usually are. But if it's not, Zach Wilson gets plopped in with a solid offensive line. Two good running backs in Brees Hall and Michael Carter, second-year man out of UNC. Three solid wide receivers, Elijah Moore, second-year man out of Ole Miss. Corey Davis, guy who's been in this league for a while, former fifth overall pick. You get rookie Garrett Wilson, and you still have Braxton Berrios, a guy who Zach Wilson has great chemistry with. He'll have two great safety valves at tight end. That's also the problem. If Zach struggles, what is the excuse? Especially in those first three weeks before week four, if Joe Flacco pulls off a win and looks somewhat decent doing it, and then Zach Wilson comes in and struggles, I mean, that's the story written right there. That's what happened with Sam Darnold in his last year with the Jets when everything fell off the rails. Sam Darnold got hurt and gets pulled. They put in Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco looks miles better than him. Joe Flacco made an offense with Brashad Perryman as the wide receiver one work, while Sam Darnold didn't. If Joe Flacco comes in and makes this team win a game, the Jets' first three weeks of the season. The first three teams that the New York Jets play this year, they play the NFC North throughout their first four games. And if I remember correctly, the New York Jets play Ravens week one, then they go on the road at Cleveland, and then back home against Cincinnati. If they pull off one of those games and then Zach Wilson comes back and they struggle mightily, we have a big problem. Now, I am not saying Zach Wilson has to come out and absolutely light the world on fire. That's unrealistic. It takes time for quarterbacks to figure the thing, this NFL thing out. Not everybody. I say this all the time when talking about young quarterbacks. Not everyone's Justin Herbert. What Justin Herbert did in 2020 as a rookie is something that is unheard of. For him to come in and dominate from day one is just absolutely insanity. That doesn't happen. Look at the rest of that rookie draft class. Aside from Mac Jones, 
who just so happened to also be the one rookie quarterback that landed in a good situation. Aside from Trey Lance. So, but we're also excluding him because he didn't really play his rookie year. I mean, Trevor Lawrence. Oh my God, you want to talk about the bonfire that was the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021? With Urban Meyer doing just things that normal people don't do. <laughs> and then you have Justin Fields, who was injured and absolute garbage when he was playing with the with the Chicago Bears. And my issue always with that, talking about Zach Wilson, because I'm a Zach Wilson guy, I defend Zach Wilson, of course he's my quarterback, and the first one in a long time that I actually liked as a prospect and think he has great potential, never was a Sam Darnold guy. But the thing is, the excuses are always made for Fields and Lawrence. Lawrence, it's like, oh man, he went to the Jaguars, their team is terrible, all he had to deal with Urban Meyer... For Justin Fields, kind of the same stuff. Oh, oh, that team is terrible. They have... Matt Nagy is terrible. Like, all these excuses. that You can make the same thing for Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's receivers down the stretch, where he played with his best football, his wide receiver one was Braxton Berrios. He was also throwing to an undrafted tight end out of Ole Miss and Kenny Yaboa. He was throwing to Jeff Smith. Another undrafted guy that the Jets have on there from their practice squad they had to call up because so many injuries were occurring. Keelan Cole, the corpse of what his career is left over. It's just, it was a terrible situation for him too. Dealing with a rookie head coach and a rookie play caller. And the excuses were never made for him. Now part of that's because it's New York. Part of that is because he's second overall pick going to a New York team. But now... Those excuses are out the window. There's nothing for Zach Wilson to fall onto. Because if he can't make it work now, then it's him. We know it's not Michael LaFleur. Especially, like I'm saying, if Joe, this is hypothetical, if Joe Flacco does well. Because it wouldn't be Michael LaFleur's fault. Robert Sala is a defensive guy. That doesn't matter. He's not calling to play us on offense. It's not Joe Douglas's fault. He's surrounded with Zach with everything he needed. Only one man's fault, and that's Zach's. And that's where, if that's the situation, as much of a Zach Wilson guy I am, I have to think about what's best for my franchise. And that's where I look at the guys I mentioned before. The Bryce Youngs. The CJ Shrouds. The Will Levises, The Tyler Van Dykes. The Anthony Richardsons. Because the core pieces of this team are good. Good enough to where, in my opinion, if you plop a quarterback in there, another young quarterback like that, it's a great situation for them to be in. They would have solid weapons right off the bat. And that's also where Zach Wilson missing time is, again, a vice. Because, say, Zach Wilson struggles again this year, Joe Douglas and company have every excuse to say, well, he wasn't healthy. We'll bring him back for a third year. And then you're in that same death spiral you were with Sam Darnold. Because in my opinion, after year two where where Sam Darnold did not improve at all, and actually a little bit worse at points in times, I was like, "You, you bite the bullet now. You get rid of him. You trade him for assets. And you start over again at quarterback. And this was during the 2020 draft. Remember that. 
Same draft with Joe Burrow. Same draft with Justin Herbert. Same draft with, I believe, Jalen Hurts was part of the 2020 class. Who I would take... My, like He's miles better than Sam Darnold. I'm not the, necessarily the biggest Jalen Hurts guy. But that's a guy I would easily take over Sam Darnold. But that was where the issue was. Oh, Sam Darnold hasn't had a healthy season. He's had bad weapons. Let's bring him back in for one more year to prove it. Everything falls off the rails. I don't want that to happen again. Because if they don't, if people don't get start fired after this year of Zach Wilson struggles, it sure as hell is going to happen the year after if Zach Wilson struggles. It's a bad situation to be in. Now this whole little first topic that we're going through could be completely ridiculous in the in the future because we don't know yet. NFL season just started, so I don't know. Zach Wilson could come back against the Pittsburgh Steelers, throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and just dominate the whole year. And shows what's up. Shows that, hey, I'm the man. I'm ready to take over New York. He could easily do that. He could do what Josh Allen did. Took Josh Allen three years to figure this NFL thing out. Rookie year, Josh Allen was awful but showed flashes. That's what Zach Wilson did his first year. Zach Wilson could do what Josh Allen did in year two. He He takes a marginal leap. But he's not spectacular. He's solid. He shows that he's getting better. He starts winning some games for the Jets. And then in year three, Josh Allen took off. Year three, Zach Wilson could take off. But it's got to be soon. Zach Wilson could not be just a tiny bit better than what he was last year. He can't like still making these rookie mistakes. Those have to start going away. Zach Wilson has to start stepping the hell up and being a franchise quarterback. Because in the NFL, jobs are lost when quarterbacks don't pan out. I do not want Joe Douglas to lose his job. I don't want Robert Sala to lose his job. And I don't want Zach Wilson to be the guy to spark all that. Because the Jets have missed the playoffs now for 11 straight seasons. More than likely after this year, it's going to be 12 straight seasons. If Zach Wilson does not pan out, we've got a big, big, big problem in New York. And it could turn into a problem to where it turns into 20 years of not making the playoffs. Which is something as a Jet fan, and I'm sure any other Jets fans that listen to this, will know. We do not want to deal with that. Please, for the love of God, do not make that happen. So Zach Wilson, when he comes back, whenever it is... Whether it's week two, week four, doesn't matter. He has to come in and start showing up. He has to come in and show that I am here and I am the franchise guy. Give me time to prove it. Or, you know, they could just put in uh, the preseason god Chris Streveler because that man was insane. And I would love to see that. Let's move on to our next topic. Which is... Week 1, NFL, it's back, baby. Like I mentioned, last night, the Buffalo Bills took down the defending champion LA Rams 31-10. to And it is now time for Pick'em's season. That's right, baby. Pick'em's are back. 
And man, oh man, am I fired up for the new season. Y'all gonna just have to be ready. Because it is time for that pole pickums shindig. It's all football, alright? None of this other BS with other sports and all that kind of stuff like that. I don't care about anything else going on. I am here for sports and sports alone. Primarily football, because that's the only major one going on. <laughs> Baseball is happening, I know, but I'll talk about that when the postseason starts. I'll probably fill out a bracket here live on Radio Free Radford for that as well. But for now, let's talk NFL pickums, baby. So, of course, um, I've already done my pickums, but I'll just go over them with you guys because I'm weird. But anyway, I did end up picking the Los Angeles Rams to win this game against the Buffalo Bills. I am highly disappointed in how that turned out. I thought the Rams were going to be a lot better, but it's week one. Probably a little bit of fatigue for the boys over in LA, so I'm not too worried about that. I don't think the Rams are having a Super Bowl hangover or anything like that. So let's do this. Pick skin pickums on ESPN. That's what I'm using for this. Here we go. So the first game we are picking here, the New Orleans Saints on the road taking on division rival. And the Atlanta Falcons. The matchup predictor for ESPN says it a 69.8% chance that the New Orleans Saints take the W on that one. Well, a little bit of injury concern for the Saints as, as this is nothing new, I'm sure. Michael Thomas, wide receiver, of course. Guy who has had one of the best seasons ever a few years ago and then has completely dipped off the world. He is questionable. With injury for the Atlanta Falcons, rookie wide receiver Drake London is questionable as well. My pick for this game, I am picking the New Orleans Saints to win this game. I probably would have that comfortably as well. Coming into the game, the New Orleans Saints are... Da, 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 where is it? ESPN? I don't see where you have it. ESPN, you lied to me. Five and a half point favorites. There we go. Five and a half point favorites. Trying to find it. ESPN, you throw your stats around everywhere. Put it right under the game. Come on, man. Anyway, five and a half point favorites, the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to take the Saints to win this game. Listen, Atlanta's going to be bad this year. Sorry, Atlanta Falcons fans out there. Your guys are probably going to have the first overall pick in the upcoming draft. I like some of the guys you got. Everybody knows how much I love Kyle Pitts, their tight end. But I'm sorry, Atlanta, you're going to be trash this year. And... New Orleans is going to be a borderline playoff team, in my opinion. Next game up, the San Francisco 49ers on the road taking on the Chicago Bears. 49ers giving a 65.8% chance to win this game, and they are seven-point favorites. I'm going to take the 49ers to win this game. I am all aboard the Trey Lance train. I think that he is going to come out this year and just put on an absolute clinic. I think he is a dark horse for MVP. I think the 49ers are going to be a very good football team this year, and they could be dangerous come postseason as well. The Bears? Sorry. Same situation with Atlanta. You're going to be trash. And you may have to make a decision on Justin Fields if he doesn't show up as well. We're going to see how that goes out for you. Next up, Pittsburgh Steelers on the road taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals given a 78% chance 
to win this game, and they are favored by six and a half points. I'm going to take the defending AFC champions to win this game. I'm taking the Bengals to win. I don't think it's a fluke. I think the Bengals are that damn good. They have the tools. The Bengals have been that team that has just shut me up around every corner. I doubted the Joe Burrow pick in 2020. I was like, it was one year in a in college where he had the perfect offense around him. I just don't see him panning out really in the NFL, especially with the Bengals. He looks great in his rookie year before an ACL injury. Then they decide to go and pick Jamar Chase fifth overall out of LSU. And I said that was a stupid pick. I like Jamar Chase as a player, but they should have gone Penny Sewell. It wouldn't matter. Joe Burrow was on his backside the whole time. And then Jamar Chase broke every single rookie receiving record imaginable. And then I did an episode of Up for Debate with my man Dalton and Jay Fly over on their show on YouTube. And sure enough, I said it. They talked about the Bengals being a Super Bowl team, that they could make a run. And I said, absolutely no way. The Bengals are not that good. They are way too young for that. And then sure enough, the Bengals make a run and go to the Super Bowl. And I didn't pick them to win. I said, this was it. If they prove me wrong here, I'm done. But the Bengals did lose that game. But I'm on board the Bengals hype train. I do think they're going to be good this year. They have a chance to make a repeat run. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles on the road at the Detroit Lions. 65.8% matchup predictor giving the Eagles the edge. Eagles only four-point favorites coming into this game. Listen. I saw an interesting stat that the Lions have actually won a lot of season opening games recently. I think they're like 11-1 in the past 12 season openers. But I can't consciously pick the Detroit Lions and be confident with that pick. I'm sorry, Detroit fans. I think you're going to stink up the joint again this year. I think Dan Campbell gets fired at the end of this year. Not really his fault. It's the Lions. They're a trash organization. But I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. The New England Patriots on the road taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins given a 51.1% chance to win the game. And they come in at 3.5 point favorites. But I'm taking the underdog. I'm taking the New England Patriots to win this game. Call me a hater, but I am not a believer in Tua at all. I think that this year is going to show just how bad he actually really is. And this is a guy coming from a guy that believed in Tua in the draft process. I thought Tua was the second best quarterback in that draft. Right behind Justin Herbert and right ahead of Joe Burrow. I was wrong. I'm going to admit that one. Tua just doesn't have the arm strength to see in this level. He can't underthrow guys against starters in the NFL. Patriots, I know they lost a lot. But I think they'll at least get this one. I really don't want to even talk about this one. But I'm going to have to. The Baltimore Ravens on the road taking on the New York Jets. Ravens, 73.5%. Coming in on the matchup predictor, and they are seven-point favorites. I am definitely taking the Ravens to win this game. I think their defense may shut Joe Flacco and his offense out. I think that their offense may just put up a 50 spot on him. I think this game's over by halftime, to be 100% honest. I think the New York Jets, while I think they're actually going to show in this game that they've made some improvements, I just don't. I think the defense is going to be on the field way more than the offense. I think the offense is going to consistently just keep going three and out, and I think their defense is just going to get worn out. So I'm going to take the Ravens to win this game pretty easily, in my opinion. Jaguars at the Commanders. The worst name in football, without a doubt. 
The Commanders are given a 61.7% chance to win this game, and they are two and a half point favorites. I'm shocked it's that low because I'm taking the Commanders to win this one pretty easily. Listen, I know Jacksonville Jaguars made some improvements. I know they have gotten Doug Peterson now as their head coach. I know it's second year Trevor Lawrence, but this the Jacksonville Jaguars are still a terrible roster. Yo, you're, you're paying Christian Kirk nearly $80 million to be a wide receiver one. It's not going to work out that way. I think Jacksonville struggles mightily again this year. They're en route for another last place finish in the division, in my opinion. I do think the Texans will be better than them. So, I'm taking the Commanders to win this game. The Browns on the road at the Panthers. Oh, my dear gracious. This is going to be a fun one. Because, Carolina, first off, Carolina get a 59.4% chance to win the ball game. It's an even spread. No one is favorited to win this game. I'm taking the Panthers to win this game. Because simply because I don't think Cleveland's offense is going to do anything with Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback. I just don't think it's going to be pretty. I think Baker Mayfield gets his revenge, just like Sam Darnold did last year against the New York Jets. But I do think that eventually Christian McCaffrey is going to get hurt again. Then Baker's going to be asked to be the whole offense, and it's going to fall apart again for the Panthers. Colts on the road against the Houston Texans. The Colts given a 72.5% chance to win this game, favored by seven. I am taking the Colts to win this game, but there is somebody on the Texans that could change that, and that's Damian Pierce, their rookie running back out of Florida. He has just lit it up in camp. He's run strong throughout the preseason. If he hits the ground running, maybe it gives the Texans a fighting chance, but I'm right now going to be taking the Colts to win this game. Ends the 1 o'clock games. We head over to the 425 game, starting off with the Giants. On the road, taking on the Tennessee Titans. Questionable for the game for the Giants. You do have rookie edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau questionable. And Sterling Shepard also questionable. And along with Aziz Oshalari. That's a whole lot of injuries for the Giants for week one. A lot of key players. Titans given a 76.2% chance to win this game. Five and a half point favorites coming in. I am taking the Titans to win this game. Um, with or without the injuries, the Giants again are going to be a bad football team. This is Daniel Jones last year as a starter in the NFL, in my opinion. I think that they move off of him after this year. They should have moved off of him after last year, but here we are. So we will see how this goes, but I'm taking the Titans to win that one pretty comfortably. Packers on the road taking on the Vikings. Packers given a 65.3% chance to win this game. The Packers are one and a half point favorites. It's projected to be a close game. I'm taking the upset. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win this game. I do think the Packers still end up winning the NFC North this year. But I am going to say, though, I think it may take a couple games for them to figure it out. Because no more Devontae Adams. they got to figure out who wide receiver one is. It's the first time really in his career that I think Aaron Rodgers has been without a true wide receiver one. He had Jordy Nelson all those years. He had Randall Cobb for a while. It's going to take a little bit for him to finally figure out who wide receiver one is. In the end, I do think it ends up being Christian Watson, the guy they took in the second round of North Dakota State. So I think first game, Vikings catch him sleeping a little bit and they get a big win. The Chiefs on the road against the Arizona Cardinals. Chiefs getting a 54% chance to win this game. Six-point favorites coming in. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this game. I don't think losing Tyreek Hill is going to affect... The Chiefs offense as much as people think it is. I do think that Juju Smith-Schuster does add a bit. 
of intrigue to this offense. I like Juju as a player. I wish he would stay the hell off TikTok a little bit. But I do think Juju is going to be a good weapon. Mardez Valdez-Scantling is a good speed threat. Mahomes has got the big-time arm. So it's going to be interesting to see. I do think that the Chiefs win this game week one, though, against the Cardinals. 825 game, last one, the Raiders on the road taking on the Chargers. Oh, man, my boys, Joe Morley, the Raiders fan, and NFL Mike, the Chargers fan. It's going to be a fun one here. Chargers giving a 61% chance to win this game. They are three-point favorites. Big, big, big news story to keep on. J.C. Jackson, the cornerback from the New England Patriots that the Chargers paid big money to come play for them, is questionable with for this game. I do think that they're going to keep that a little bit of a secret. We'll find out game day if he actually is going out there. But I am going to pick the Chargers to win this game. I think the Chargers are a sneaky dark horse to win the whole thing this year. I love Justin Herbert. I think he's in for another big year. But if the Chargers don't make the playoffs this year... I think already it's time to get rid of Brandon Staley. He left a bad taste in my mouth after the last game against the Raiders and last season where he decided to be stupid and call a timeout and give the Raiders a chance to get a first down and kick a tying field goal. Kick a winning field goal, sorry. Should have been a tie is what I'm saying. Then we have Sunday Night Football. Tom Brady's back for year 23. He was gone for all of two months, ladies and gentlemen. The world was at peace for a little bit, but he is back. Year 23, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Bucks giving a 62.5% chance to win this game. Two and a half point favorites in the game. I am taking Tampa Bay to win this game. How many times have we done this, ladies and gentlemen, with the Cowboys? We talk about them saying, oh man, are they finally back? Are they finally going to win the NFC, dominate the NFC like they should have done the past few years? No. They're not. They're going to choke again. They're going to probably miss the playoffs at a good old 7-10 and 10 or 8-9, and something like that. And Mike, McCar- Mike McCarthy's going to get fired. It's, it's a mess, Dallas, in my opinion. I think that they will once again be kind of a bottom feeder. Now, game of the week, in my opinion, even though I don't think it's going to be that good of a game, Monday Night Football, Broncos country, let's ride. Russell Wilson makes his Broncos debut on the road in the place where it all began in Seattle, taking on the Seahawks. 66.7% chance to win the game for Denver. 6.5 point favorites. I am taking the Broncos to win this game. Although, for some reason, there is a little bit of doubt in me for that because I do think that there is a chance that Seattle just comes out swinging and the one of, like, two games that they play this year, they end up beating them beating Seattle that beating Denver my bad but it would be absolutely hilarious if that's how that turned out that's my picks for the NFL anyway oh yeah we're doing it for college too not nearly as much for college don't worry it's not nearly as long of a list because if I were to go through every single college game and talk about that we would have it would be a nightmare it would be an absolute nightmare. I'm telling you that right now. Because that's a lot of football to cover. We're only going to be covering the games that ESPN gives me. Alright? That's all we're covering. We're not covering anything else. Just the one that ESPN Pickums does for me. So kicking it off at noon. 
Number one, Alabama on the road taking on their soon-to-be SEC rivals, the Texas Longhorns. Matchup predictor, it's still a thing. 81.8% chance for Alabama to win the game. Alabama's favorite by 20. That's fair. It's going to be a stomping. I'm taking the Crimson Tide to win that football game. Next game isn't much better. Number 23, Wake Forest on the road taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Wake giving a 62% chance to win this game. 12.5 point favorite. Sam Hartman, the guy that we thought was not going to play at all this year because of medical issues. He has been medically cleared to compete in this game. He will be the starting quarterback. I'm taking the Demon Deacons to win that game. I know Vandy's 2-0, but it's Vandy. Come on now. They're still the worst team in the SEC by far. Here's where it gets good. We have a good matchup here. The number 24 Tennessee Volunteers on the road taking on the 17th ranked Pitt Panthers. Tennessee given a 54.1% chance to win the game, and they are favored by six. I am taking Pittsburgh to win this game. Listen, Tennessee, it's, it's they're the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Every single year, everybody's talking about Tennessee. Are they back? And the answer is always no. I know their offenses looked good against Ball State, which is what, the one, two, three, four, maybe the fifth best team in Indiana. But um, Tennessee, I think I think they'll keep it close. Um, but I do think Pitt pulls it out in the end. I think their defense is a little bit better than Tennessee's. This one I'm not going to waste too much time on because this one is... Pretty easy, in my opinion. Uh, Washington State on the road taking on Wisconsin and Madison. 90, a 92.9% chance to win the game for the Badgers, favored by 17.5. Yeah, that one's going to be easy. Give me the Badgers in that one easily. That'll be the blowout of the week, in my opinion. Here we go. This is a really fun one as well. The 25th-ranked Houston Cougars on the road taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Man, what a game the Houston Cougars played in against UTSA. That was a really fun game they played against the Roadrunners. Ended up going into three overtimes. The quarterback, uh, Toon, I think his name is. Yeah, Toon. Um, he ended up, uh, Clayton Toon. Yeah, respect him. I have to shout him out because of what he did in that game. In double, in triple overtime, having to go for two, dives for, puts his body and life on the line to win the game. That's big time, in my opinion. And Texas Tech is actually given 65.6% chance to win the game, and they are favored by three and a half points. I am taking the Red Raiders to win this game. I don't think necessarily Texas Tech is a very good football team, but I will say that I think Houston, I think after a win like that, they may be a little bit fatigued coming into this game. Plus, this one's on the road again as well, back-to-back road games. I am going to take the Red Raiders to win this game. Next up, the Battle of Iowa. Iowa State Cyclones taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes. ESPN gives it a 58.5% chance to win the game to the Cyclones. They And Iowa is favored by three and a half points. I am taking the Cyclones to win this game. Listen, Iowa. I have to make this statement here. What in the hell happened that week one? In case y'all missed it, Iowa played South Dakota State in their first game. Now, South Dakota State in terms of FCS is no pushover. But when you're playing an FBS team, you should usually steamroll them. They won 7-3. That's it. 7-3. In college football today, you only score 7 points? What? 
yeah, give me the Cyclones to win this game, and I think they win it pretty comfortably. Next up, big game. We head back to the Swamp at night. Number 20, Kentucky, on the road, taking on the now 12th-ranked Gators. They were unranked last week before that big victory against Utah. 54.8% chance to win the game for the Gators. They are favored by 6.5 points. I am going to take Florida to win this game, and this game is going to be one of two things. This game is either going to be an absolute Florida domination, or it's going to be what it has been in recent years, and it's just an absolute puncher's fest. Just both these teams throwing haymakers at each other. Ever since Mark Stoops has gotten to Kentucky, he has found a way to make one of the most lopsided annual games in the country into an actual competitive game. There was at one point where the Gators had a 32-year win streak over at Kentucky. They had beaten them in 32 straight meetings. That was one of the longest win streaks over one team in college football history. But then, of course, Mark Stoops' boys did break that eventually. Now they've won two out of the last four against Florida. I do think it'll be interesting to see with Florida, how does Billy Napier's boys respond to such a big win? They got lucky, in my opinion, against Utah. Utah should have scored on that last drive, but Cam Rising ends up throwing a pick to Amari Bernie, and the Gators end up pulling it off. The thing with Dan Mullen always was, he would get a big win every now and again, but afterwards his teams were always unprepared in the game after. How does Billy Napier's squads respond to such a big win? Do they come out ready to do it again, or do they fall flat? I think Billy Napier will have the guys ready to give me the Gators to win. This is another easy one. Um, number 10, USC Trojans taking on the Stanford Cardinals. Stan- uh, USC giving a 74.6% chance to win. They're only 8.5 point favorites, though. I think that's going to get smashed. Give me the Trojans to win big in that one. Then we have the Arizona State Sun Devils on the road taking on the number 11 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Cowboys have a 78.9% chance to win the game, favored by 11.5. I'm taking Oklahoma State to win that football game. And last but certainly not least, this is the game of the week a lot of people have been saying. The number 9 Baylor Bears on the road taking on the number 21 at BYU Cougars. Baylor giving a 57.6% chance to win the game, but BYU favored by 3. It is going to be a loud, 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 loud environment at BYU. That's going to be a crazy game. I'm going to take Baylor to win the game. But this is go- could be a big-time upset. This could be a big one. This could be the first really massive one of the year because I wouldn't really necessarily say Florida beating Utah was a massive upset. I mean, it's very rare that teams walk into the swamp and win. So I think this is probably going to be, if BYU pulls out, it's going to be the upset of the, upset of the year so far. But I do think Baylor pulls this one out in the end. Well, there's the pickums for both pro, NFL, NFL football, and college football. Now, there is one other quick little thing I wanted to talk about, and it's about my Gators. It is about my Gators. Because, man, oh, man, Anthony Richardson. That guy's special, man. I talked about it a little bit before when talking about Zach Wilson. It has been a long time in my fandom of Florida that I have seen a player like Anthony Richardson. Because 
in my lifetime as a Gator fan. It's been dark. It hasn't been pretty by any stretch of the imagination. I have seen many quarterbacks come in and fail immediately at the University of Florida. Just to name off a couple. Treon Harris. That's probably that's when I talk about Florida football in my time period, I always point at Treon Harris as the quarterback play. You have uh I think it was Austin Appleby at one point. Um he was a Purdue transfer. He was he was bad. Um Luke Del Rio, son of Jack Del Rio, who's a defensive coordinator, I believe, in the NFL right now, maybe even college. I'm not sure exactly where he's at now. Um we had Will Greer for a little bit, for like six games, and then um, he uh, hurt his ribs, he got the flu, and then the good old uh, Jim McElwain staff decided to give him medication that also had a steroid in it, which was not known by Will Greer, and ended up getting him suspended. It's It's been rough. Um, then when Dan Mullen got there, it got a little bit better, his first year there anyway, um, Felipe Franks, he was bad in the last year Jim McElwain, but then... Franks turns it around, does solid, then he gets hurt, and then the birth of the Kyle Trask legend. And then last year with Emory Jones, who was great running, but terrible throwing. Couldn't throw the ball at all. The only comparison I can make when thinking about Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton. Vince Young. Hell, there's a little bit of Tebow in him. Just that, that dual threat. It's special to watch. I mean, there was one play against Utah that if he doesn't make the game, is a, that Utah probably marches down. If Utah wins the game, more than likely. It is a play. It's a two-point conversion. Montreal Johnson just scored a rushing touchdown. Two-point conversion attempt. It's kind of weird. He fakes the handoff, I think, to Naquan Wright, the running back, and fakes a pitch to Xavier Henderson, who's running, like, behind um, Richardson. And Utah sniffs this out beautifully. There's a safety blitz on. The safety's all over Richardson. Richardson jumps and does a 360, lands on his feet, keeps running, throws a dart to a wide-open receiver in the back of the end zone to convert the two. And me talking about it does not do it justice at all. If you're on the Instagram, at the Robson Sportscast, and you're watching this video right now, I'm pointing at you right now on my phone over here. What's up, everybody, on the Robson Sportscast Instagram? You're going to see a video right now of Anthony Richardson making that play. And words don't do it justice of how insane this play was. My dad came over for that game. And I remember, and we did this a couple times last year, but we just look over at each other and like, this dude's insane. It just bears the question in my mind. What if Dan Mullen wasn't so stuck with Emory Jones? What if Dan Mullen decided, you know what? I know I've been grooming this Emory Jones guy for a long time. But what if I just put in Anthony Richardson? Make him my starter. He could still be the coach at the University of Florida right now, in my opinion. Now, I know how history was written. 
Because Anthony Richardson does get hurt against the game against uh, Southern Florida. But those first two games last year for Anthony Richardson were just unbelievable on tape. I mean, every single time he touched the ball those first two games, a big play happened. He, he was insane. Hurtling over guys, shedding tackles, running at 80 yards for a touchdown, throwing at 80 yards for a touchdown off a rocker step. I mean, it was just like, oh my God, this guy is insane. But the issue was Dan Mullen just wouldn't let it happen. He believed in Emory Jones, and in my opinion, it ended up costing him his job. I say that now that I've seen what has happened with Anthony Richardson with Billy Napier. I'm telling you right now. Billy Napier does not win that game. His team does not win that game if Anthony Richardson doesn't do what he did. Three of Florida's four touchdowns were because of him. He was making plays. He looked great. And there's a reason now when you look up Heisman talk, Anthony Richardson's in there now. The dude's legit. And it just, it, first off, it makes me feel lucky that Dan Mullen didn't do that. But also that Billy Napier sees what he has in Anthony Richardson. And it also makes me really thankful that Anthony Richardson stayed at Florida because he easily could have transferred out. He said, no, I didn't get my opportunity here. I'm going somewhere else where I am. But he's stuck with Florida, his hometown team. He's from Gainesville, Florida. He stuck with them and he said, I'm going to make this work. And he has so far. But it's just so funny to me with Dan Mullen. You want to talk about an ego. Dan Mullen had a lot of vices. I do think that he valued a seniority over talent because Emory Jones was at that point a redshirt junior. Anthony Richardson was a redshirt freshman. So he he valued that, valued experience. Whether the younger talent was better or not didn't matter. He was going to play the more experienced players. You also had his... He didn't like to recruit. I don't think he valued it as much as you should in college football because... A lot of teams that you consistently see winning at the college level, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, those big-name brands, yeah, they're usually at the top of the recruiting charts. Florida was always meh, solid. Mullen would get a couple of big guys, but usually they'd be close to Gainesville. They just didn't want to leave home. So it, it was nowhere near what it should be. But now, Billy Napier, he currently has a top-10 class right now. Which, that fast is unheard of, in my opinion. I, I don't think I've ever seen a coach literally come in and put together a top 10 class at the flip of a switch. It's, it's incredible. And to see a team buy into what Billy Napier has been doing that fast is also incredible. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But Dan Mullen just could not be wrong. He couldn't be wrong about Felipe Franks when he got there. He kept playing him over Kyle Trask. He couldn't have been wrong about Todd Grantham, who was his defensive coordinator, and the reason, in my opinion, that the 2020 Florida Gators don't host up a national championship. That offense with Kyle Trask being a Heisman finalist, Kyle Pitts winning the John Mackey Award, Kadarius Toney being a lightning bolt, Trayvon Grimes being a big play wide receiver. Everything was there, but the defense sucked, and Todd Grantham should have been fired right after that. But he stayed on staff, and it ruined Dan Mullen. 
Loyalty and arrogance is what ruined Dan Mullen. The two things, in my opinion, that Billy Napier doesn't have that'll make him. Tell you this right now. LSU, who has Brian Kelly and got beat by Florida freaking State, the bonfire team that they have been over the past few years, they're going to regret losing out on Billy Napier. I think I think Florida, and I know I'm this is coming from a Gators fan, but I think Florida's in something for something special here because the time for Nick Saban is coming to an end. He, he age catches up to everybody eventually. But I do think, even before then, maybe that Billy Napier and Florida do win titles. But the culture that he's building, it's tough not to see it. And that's going to wrap things up for me. Woo, feels good to be back in the saddle, man. Glad to be back doing what I love for you guys live right here on Radio Free Radford. This will be posted soon on Anchor and all other major podcasting platforms for you to listen to if you didn't catch this live. But if you did, thank you for tuning in. And if you didn't, you're listening to this now. You better catch it live next time or I'll find you. I'm just kidding. I won't find you. Maybe I'll bump into you, though. Say hi to me if you do. You'll recognize me. I'll probably be wearing Florida stuff. <laughs> but anyway, that's going to do it from here. This is RC Productions and Phil Flames with a dope beat. And this is your host, Alex Robson.